Arboria. Welcome to Yeah, But the podcast. My name is Vivi Gabor, and y'all, today is a very special day. Uh, I get to talk to one of my favorite New York performers. Please, please give a warm welcome to the pod, Vicki DeVille. Hello. Hello, Miss Vivian. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic now that I'm sitting here with you. Yes, thank you <laughs> How so are much you? for having me. Oh, of course. My. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Yes. Um, and you are looking absolutely glamorous right now. Oh, please. <laughs> Thank you. For, but I, I I just have no makeup on. My hair is in a mess. It's just like, no, no, no. We're supposed, to, <laughs> we're supposed to make them think that we're in full glam oh, right, right now. Sorry. Yes. Full. I meant to say, you know, snatched <laughs> waist, clean lace front, nails, yep. fine. <laughs> Everything's new. So it's all shiny. There are no makeup stains, no nothing. It's perfect. Fresh tights, fresh everything, <laughs> fresh lashes. <laughs> How has the year been treating you so far as we are slowly coming out of um, hibernation? It's been good. It's been good. I've definitely felt a huge shift um, in like April, like when the winter was kind of ending and people were really ready to like come out, come out of their shell and be part of society again. And everyone's, you know, getting their vaccines and COVID tests are a lot more widely available. So people feel safer Mm -hmm. to go out. And it almost came on like a tidal wave, I feel, because there was like, I would say January, February, even March, I was staying home a lot. I, it was really cold and dark and, you know, I was just working and, and just kind of doing a lot of sleeping and relaxing. Mm -hmm. And then spring started to spring sprung pretty much. And then it was just like an onset of just like people asking me to hang out all the time and all these events coming up. And I was just like, so overwhelmed. I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. (laughs) Have you gotten a chance to get your vaccine? I did. I got both doses of my Yay. vaccine. So on Tuesday, I will be fully vac- fully immune or the shots will have fully taken their course. So yay. Today is my two week mark after my oh, second yay. dose. So it's, it's a very special day. I like went outside and went on a walk without my mask on because the CDC has told us yeah. that we can now. Uh, If you've had both doses and you're all good to go, you can be outside without a mask. And I was just like, oh, this is what fresh air smells like. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't smell like my breath anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But oh, wait, now I have to actually brush my teeth before I leave the house. I know. For so long, I didn't have to apologize for my coffee breath. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's it's so nice. I didn't realize that I had seasonal affective disorder until I moved to New York and had actual seasons to deal with. Because in Seattle, it's just always gray and overcast. So you're just all depressed all the time. Interesting. So you don't know the difference. And then I get here and all of a sudden like winter ends 
it's suddenly light until like 9 p.m. and it's sunny out and I'm just happy and able to work and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it's it's truly a shift in energy when the daylight Mm. savings time kicks in. I, I can't believe it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's dinner time and it's still light out and it will be light out for another like hour or so. And it's wild. Yeah. It feels so oh, much clear. Perfect. I love it. Have you, uh, did you grow up in New York? Are you, have you always been here or where are you from? So I'm a Jersey girl. Ooh. <laughs> yes. I'm Italian girl from New Jersey. <laughs> Keep your heart out, Michelle Visage. <laughs> <laughs> What part um, of New Jersey? Yeah, so I grew up in a town called Union, which um, is maybe 45 minutes outside of the city. It's known uh, mostly for Kane University is like the big college there. And we're maybe 10 minutes from the Newark airport. So that's kind of gives you a sense of like yeah. our closeness to the city. But it's really a completely different world. It's true suburbia, um, but definitely like a, a melting pot of all different kinds of people and ethnicities. And I was really fortunate to like grow up in that kind of environment that I was able to meet all different kinds of people at a very young age. Um, Yeah, my family's still in Jersey. So um, I moved to New York City to go to college. So I moved here, um, was like 19 years old and I started going to FIT. And once I got that little taste of the city life, I was like, I'm (laughs) never going back to Jersey. (laughs) But I mean, I still go back all the time to visit my family. And in the summer, Mm -hmm. you can go to the beach and, you know, it's nice to escape the city, have that little escape. Um, But I don't, you know, I don't drive. I haven't driven a car in over a decade. So (laughs) it would be hard at this point for me to move back to to Jersey because it, it would be such a changed my lifestyle you know so tell me about FIT I I mean I know it's a school I know mm-hmm. it's a very good school but I I know nothing about it oh wow that. I, yes. like I said I didn't grow up here so I don't I don't know the the things that are here <laughs> oh well I'll tell you all I'll tell you all about it perfect <laughs> I just remember being in high school and um you know, everyone's like, what do you want to do? What kind of career do you want? I always said I want to work in fashion. I love fashion illustration. I love design. I love fashion photography. I, I just want to be a part of, I just want to work in fashion. So everyone says, if you want to work in fashion, you have to go to FIT. And it's weird because no one even mentioned Parsons or the new school. <laughs> FIT. So I, um, I applied to FIT and I applied to LIM, which is like my safety school. Cause FIT, it's insane. The amount of people that apply versus mm-hmm. the amount of people that get in. They, they say like 2000 people apply for the fashion design program each semester and 200 get in. Oh my gosh. So people kept saying, you gotta apply somewhere else. You gotta apply somewhere else. <laughs> but um, I was fortunate enough that I was accepted. So that was like a really big deal. Um, and then I started commuting to the city for the first two years of my college life. So I would take the train from Jersey to the city five days a week. Like I, yeah, I was going from, I started when I was 17 years old. So you go from high school where you barely do any work. You get out of school at 3 PM. You just hang out with your friends all the time. Life is great to essentially commuting into the city, being in at 9 AM, not getting home till eight o'clock at night, 
And it was a lot of really, really hard work. And it was really mm. competitive because it's an, it's an art school and everyone shows off their designs. They show off their projects and everyone critiques each other. So you want to make sure you do a good job. So you really, it's like, it was a long hours, you bust your ass, but it was just so exciting to be in the city and to meet all these new people. And it really um, taught me so, so much. And I'm very lucky that I had that, um, that experience, but it was a lot of really hard work. And I actually went there for four years. I got my BFA, which I, a lot of people are just like, oh, you go to FIT for two years or, oh, you go to FIT and you drop out. (laughs) But no, I I completed all four years. And uh, um, yeah, I'm still very good friends with a lot of uh, the people that I met there. And um, yeah, it was great. Did you have a specific concentration while you were there or how does that work? So yes. So after the first two years at FIT, you can get your associate's degree. Um, So the first, they they break it down by semesters. So the first three semesters, you have your design classes, you have a lot of liberal, liberal, I can't even say it, liberal arts arts classes, because FIT is a SUNY. So you have to do all Mm. those. I had like gym classes and science classes and like English. And I'm just like, I really need to be sewing my garment right now. I can't be sitting here in gym class. Like, right. (laughs) Stressing me out. Um, And then, so your fourth semester is your specialization for your associate's degree. And I had taken evening wear and Mm. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I, the class was so intense everything was done by hand it was very very delicate fabrics like everything had to be perfect and I was just like I cannot handle this this is this this is too delicate for me so couture please no more no more couture no but and my professor his name was his name is professor Cruz and he was the most intimidating person like every time he would come over to your, he like he like on Project Runway, like imagine if Tim Gunn was like grading you, <laughs> like holding the fate of like your assignment <laughs> in his hands. And it was just like, but he was amazing. Um, amazing bridal designer. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's still there or not, but I just remember him coming into class and being like, happy spring, like, just like, <laughs> so nice. and he's like, all right, now get to work. <laughs> I bought you all flowers, now get to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after I realized I hated evening wear uh, for the next four semesters, when I got my bachelor's, I switched to this specialization called current scene. I don't really know if it's still there, but it was more kind of like streetwear, ready to wear, um, kind of cool market, um, which I loved. I loved Mm -hmm. doing current scene. And uh, when I graduated, I wanted to work in juniors, Um, but it was, it was hard to find, it's hard to find a job when you have no experience, when you just have Mm. a degree and and internships, they, everyone wants one to two years experience. So I got a job working as an assistant children's wear designer. And I was like, okay, I could do this for a year, two years, and then I'll go on to do what I really want. Fast forward 14 years later, I'm still doing children's wear. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. I love it. It's so fun because you get to work with all these crazy colors and fabrics. And I, I design little girls dresses. There's sequins and bows and roses. And, and I really love doing that. But, um, but I, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't, 
fulfill me creatively mm. as far as the rest of my brain. Like it's great for my career and for work, but um, I'm so happy that I have drag to kind of fulfill all of the other, uh, to fill my, uh, fulfill my other creative outlet and all these other crazy oh, yeah. wackadoo ideas that I have going on in my head. Yeah, your, your drag aesthetic is extremely cool. You have some of the, some of my favorite looks that I've ever seen, at least in the New York scene, have been yours. The chandelier dress was incredible. Yes, that um, was designed and made by my best friend, Wesley Nault, who I met at FIT. He's nice. incredible. And like, not only is his imagination incredible, but his skill is is insane like the workmanship and like the actual sewing and the construction of these garments yeah, i can't it, even imagine how that dress was put together <laughs> unreal unreal and the other one that always sticks out of my mind what i think of you the outfit i think of you in is the um swirling stars outfit yeah. yes because it's just it's so cool how it looks like it's moving yeah. when you're standing still right he 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 designed and created that one as well. And I remember nice. he came to me with the concept and said, I really would love to make a dress for you um, that's made out of tulle, but it's all these shooting stars everywhere and it's gonna be pleated tulle. And I was kind of just like, okay, good luck. <laughs> he showed me his <laughs> I was like, how are you gonna make this? But I was like, yeah. whatever, this is your project. Do whatever <laughs> you want, go crazy. And it is, it's like a sculpture. It's, it's beautiful mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, I, I have it in my apartment and I just stare at it like it's a piece of art. It's, and it's, there's so much more going on than just meets the eye. He's used these like reflective fabrics in the stars. So if you take mm. a flash photo of it, like the stars look like they're glowing. Oh, and that's so cool. I, even when I look at, look at it up close, I can't figure out how, <laughs> how it holds its shape like that. It's because it's this really soft fabric, but it's just so sturdy and um, constructed so well that it's mm. just mind-boggling. Yeah, tulle is one of those fabrics that whenever I have a client that's like, can you make me a tulle dress? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. You want me to use neoprene? Sure. You want me to use stretch vinyl? Absolutely. You tool? Yeah. No. <laughs> you're you're an amazing designer. I've seen some of the stuff that you've made. Oh well, thank you. Yes, I'm completely self-taught. <laughs> and you make it for other queens. I think that's great. It's fun. I I my philosophy is I like making things that make people feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I started making things for other people. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's similar for you in that we went into design work because it's, that's, that's our medium. That's the medium that spoke the most to us and called out and said, make art out of me. Yes. Uh, so I just can't stop. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Cause I, I love designing, but I hate sewing. Like I hate mm. actually sitting there and cutting out the pieces and doing <laughs> everything by hand and or going, you know, running it through the machine and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just, it takes so, it takes a really long time too. People so that time. don't sew think that it's so easy or it could just, you know, you could teach yourself and make a garment in a couple hours. But there are yeah. times where I'm up, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, no sleep, like crying into my sewing machine because I have a competition coming up and I have to get this done and I have to do yep. it the way I want it. And it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> I've had I've had people who 
have come to me with like I've had people send me do you know who V Monique is she does a lot of like um she does a, a lot of those like beaded fringe leotards and things like that Okay. Um, I've had people send me photos of her work and be like, hey, can you make this for me? My budget's $100. And I need this <laughs> right, like, literally. Right. I'm like, you do realize that $100 wouldn't even cover one boob of beaded right. fringe? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Trims and fabrics are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Plus, then you have to consider all the time that goes into yeah. to making it. So how do you kind of gauge your your price when you're kind of when queens ask you for commissions I mean at this point I I kind of have figured out about how long it takes me to make very basic things so like a leotard makes me takes me like an hour and a half or Mm -hmm. um a, a a single fabric stretch gown will take me like three hours four hours to sew together cut out and sew together so like the the very basic ones I kind of have an idea for so they kind of have base prices Um, and then, um, I have fabric stores that I usually work with, so they know me really well. So I can go in and get, like, if I get a certain amount of the fabric, they'll discount it an extra amount because they like me and they know me. And one of the nice things about New York is the garment district that (laughs) is slowly going away. Um, Um, but being able to go into fabric stores that are family run and it's the same people there every single time. Right. You can get to know them. You know their names. They know your name. They know what you do. They know your yeah. background. Whenever I have a lunch break, <laughs> I'm always running errands, running to MJ, yeah. running to the trim store, fabric store. But yeah. like you said, a lot of places are but have been closing. So that it's so sad. Even the bigger ones, like um, Spandex World, just moved. Yeah. They closed well, their Ohio Manhattan City. location. Yeah. I was there at least once a week. At least. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was, that broke my heart when, when they closed. Well, I mean, I, I live in Astoria, so it only takes me half an hour to get down there, but it's frustrating because I'll have to go into the garment district for other fabrics. Right. And then I'll need something that's only at spandex world. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to go all the way down into Long Island city and then back up into Astoria. And it's unfortunate. And then a lot of the other like favorites, the smaller favorites are starting to close because of the pandemic, but Mm-hmm. Support local businesses, people. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Um, so, so you went to FIT. When did you start drag? When did that all get going? So I went to FIT in college, moved to the city, and I started working um, as a you know as a children's wear designer. I remember I had been working for like a, maybe a month or two, and it was like my twenty second birthday. So I'd been working full time for you know, since, since straight out of college, pretty much. Um, and I always, I always, uh, you know, I, I had started going to drag shows when I was in college and I always thought they were really fun. It was just, they were part of the party, you know, there would always be a, there'd be a share impersonator, um, you know, it would just be like a fun time. Um, but then as I got older, people would keep telling me, oh, Vicky, you got to come to this bar. There's drag queens there. You would have such a great time. Or Vicky, you got to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. You would love this show. You would love the show. (laughs) And, you know, people tell me all the time things that I have to do. I have to watch. I have to listen to. And I was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I actually uh, had kind of like a life crisis when I turned 30. I 
I had gone through this bad breakup. I had turned 30. I had been at the same job for like eight or nine years. I was just feeling like very like lost and very unfulfilled. And I just didn't, I didn't know what was next for me. I was, I was in the city. There's endless opportunities. I, I knew I was looking for something. I just, I didn't know what. And um, my two very close friends, uh, Wesley, who I'd mentioned earlier, my designer and his husband, Maxwell, um, they could see that I was just a mess. So they, they're like, Vicky, you're gonna come out with us. We're gonna have drinks. We're gonna go to boxers. We're gonna watch Drag Race. They have a viewing party every week. You're gonna love it. And I was like, okay, get me out of the house. Let's do this. So I started watching Drag Race, which is like the gateway drug, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but they would have a drag queen host the show. I, I think it was Alexis Michelle was there every Monday hosting nice. um, Drag Race. It was a really fun night out. And you'd pick your favorites and you'd root for your favorites. And I just remember seeing Naomi Smalls and being like, that is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Like, what are her secrets? How does she do her makeup? Like, how does she have that such a drastic transformation from out Mm. of drag to in drag? So I started experimenting with, with makeup and wearing wigs and stuff and I, it just kind of created a monster. I just couldn't get enough. I wanted more. I started going to many other local shows in the city, in Hell's Kitchen, in the village. Um, and I would go in drag or, or my version of drag. And I just kind of started out as like a fan, just watching the show and meeting. I wanted to meet people who liked drag. And um, the, I was honestly surprised with the amount of support that I was getting. Cause I, you know, I'm a biological woman dressing up in femme drag and I didn't I didn't see anyone else that was doing that like at the time so I was I thought everyone was gonna like give me dirty looks or not like me or like make me feel uncomfortable but it was actually kind of the opposite everyone was very nice and welcoming and and they encouraged me they're like Vicky when are you gonna perform like we want to come out and see you perform like are you gonna do a show and And I thought to myself, I had to make a decision like, okay, am I going to just stay a fan or am I going to like actually go balls to the wall and start performing? (laughs) Because I know once that started happening, I could never go back. And I just said, you know what? I love this so much. I'm obsessed. I'm just going to do it. So that's kind of how I got my start in drag. That's awesome. And you now also do Christina Aguilera impersonations as well. Yes. So when I started dressing up and going out to shows, um, people kept coming up to me constantly and being like, has anyone ever told you you look like Christina Aguilera? And without fail, like every time I go out, even if I was dressed as like, I was dressed as Lady Gaga, they'd be like, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so flattered because Christina Aguilera is beautiful. And and I was always a big fan of hers. So the fact that people thought that I reminded them of Christina, I was so like flattered. So my first performance ever was a Christina number. And uh, Shaquita was actually in the audience out of drag that night and and saw me and said, um, you know, you should come do drag wars. It's my drag competition I have every week. You should come do it, come compete. She's like, you should do Christina, keep doing Christina. And so <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm known for is my Christina impersonation. Um, 
So th that's what gets me my, my gigs. People want to see Christina when they book me, they know they're going to get Christina, but I always like mm -hmm. to add something else to it. So if I'm doing two numbers, I'll do a Christina number and then I'll do like an original number. So it's mm. a little bit of both. That's awesome. I have never been compared to anyone else who isn't a drag queen, which makes me a little worried. I would love to know who people think I look like. Right. Uh, it's always like, oh my God, you should do Adele because you're fat, but I don't get that anymore because Adele isn't fat anymore. And so oh. I'm just like, well, I don't know what I can do anymore. <laughs> well, all, all the fat girls feel, are getting skinny. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I actually don't like it when they compare me to other drag queens. Like <laughs> that's fair. Like I love it when I'm get Christina because I know like Christina's like A-list celebrity. Like yeah people will pay to see a Christina impersonator. Mm -hmm. But I actually get a little bit like uncomfortable when people are just like, oh, look, it's pheromone. Cause I don't want them to think that I'm like copying Farrah yeah. or like there'll be some other like AFAB drag queens that I remind them of. And, I, and I'll be like, like, why are you comparing us? Because our drag is not the same. <laughs> You're just comparing yeah. us because they're both women who do femme drag. So I don't like when they compare me to other queens, but Christina, I'll take any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. So do you, so how do you identify, if I may ask, in My, terms of, are you, in terms of sexuality? Oh, so this is an interesting question because my whole life, I always thought I was straight, you know, and, um, my whole 20, you know, you just, you grow up, it's like, you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to get a job, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have babies. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what everyone does. And you just feel this immense pressure that that's what you have to conform to. And so, you know, I dated a lot of men and nothing ever worked out. I only had maybe like two boyfriends ever that didn't last very long. Um, I, and I just didn't know what, what the problem was. I'm like, is it me? Is it them? Is it just my lifestyle? I didn't know. And I would hook up with, I would hook up with women. I'd hook up with men. I, I was just kind of very fluid and I just thought I was straight, but then I was talking to some of my other girlfriends and they, like, I would never hook up with a woman. Oh, I would never do that. That's, I wouldn't do that. And I was just like, oh, well I have, and <laughs> I would do it again. So does that make me bisexual? Does that make me queer? And I, it does. And the older I get, like the more comfortable I am talking about it and kind of growing into it. And, you know, I'm 35 years old and some people don't, some people have marriages and children and, and families and then they get divorced and then they marry someone of the same sex. So, um, I just think it for me, my sexuality is still a journey that I'm kind of learning about myself, but I identify, if I had to put a label on it, I'd say I'm bisexual. I mean, that's completely fair. I feel like, I feel like there's such a pressure in our society to choose what we are and go with that. Like not choose, like label ourselves and stick with that label forever. Like there's this yeah. weird pressure of like, you are what you are and then you're good. But right. like, I feel like as I'm getting older, like when I hit 30, I started reevaluating things and it was like, I don't know if the right woman came along, I might be fine with that. Like if the right non-binary person came along, I'd be fine with that. Like I really Absolutely. don't care anymore. And I right. think that's 
completely natural and I completely think that's completely normal. Right. Um, and society just has this weird idea that that we're we're stuck with what we with the label that we've decided on. And yeah. it's, I don't think that should be the case. And and people who are bisexual, they don't necessarily just like men and just like women. It's it's liking more than one gender. So mm-hmm. I've absolutely I've hooked up or I, I should stop saying hook up because I sound like a <laughs> but I, you know, I encouragers here. <laughs> I've been with people who are non-binary and uh, you know men, women, but non-binary people. I'm just open. I'm open to every yeah. whoever wants to make out, let's make out. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I just, I consider myself queer at this point. Like I don't, I, I like the nice umbrella term. Yeah. Because that I don't have to be like, I'm, I, I, I don't have to explain like where on the Kinsey scale I am to people. I'm just right. like, I'm just queer. Yeah. You know, I like wearing fancy clothes and that's about it. Right. Like, <laughs> put that, put that where you will. Um, but yeah, I think. Or, I mean, the reason I asked is because being an AFAB queen or, first off, backing up for a second, what, do you prefer that people just call you a drag queen? Do you prefer when people quantify that? I know that it's, it's different for everyone. And I feel like even among um, male, cis, quote unquote, cis male drag queens, which I think is a weird term to use because if you're a drag queen, you're not exactly that cis. Right. But um, <laughs> there's this um, weird hierarchy of like um, what you're going to call yourself. Are you are you a drag queen? Are you a drag artist? Are you a female impersonator? Are you this? Are you that? But so I, I prefer to ask people individually what they like. Um, how they like to be how they're they like their art to be referred as right so I prefer drag performer um or drag queen um that's kind of what I refer to myself as and I'm very proud of the fact that I go out and perform and drag and get paid for it so like that's Mm -hmm. why I love to say I'm a drag performer because um there are a lot of bedroom queens but my favorite part about drag is performing yeah and going back to what we were just talking about, about sexuality, I think a lot of people um, know my drag character, Vicki DeVille, mm. um, who is essentially, my drag character is like a man eater, you know, she's this like beautiful, <laughs> seductive woman. And then she turns to this crazy character, this crazy bridezilla or this psycho teenager. And I think a lot of people confuse my drag character and my Victoria out of drag because mm. they're two different people. And even though I sound the same when I talk, you know, the, the character is a performance. Yeah. So I prefer drag performer, but I mean, I can't, I can't deny the fact that I am a woman who does drag and there are a lot of hardships that come with that. There's a lot of um, people who will judge me before they even see me, before they even meet me. They'll have um, opinions about me and there have been a lot of nasty things said about me on the internet or comments like, oh, she's not a drag queen. She's just someone who wears a lot of makeup or um, they, people who have um, casted me for makeup tutorial videos for drag makeup. And I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm really amazing <laughs> at drag makeup. 
and then they find <laughs> out that I'm a woman out of drag, they like drop, drop it like it's hot. Like they're just like, oh no, 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 we can't have this. Like, so I've lost out on many opportunities because of that. So I am proud of the fact that I'm a woman that does femme drag. So I want to say, yes, I'm a woman drag queen, but I, you know, I, it, that's, that's a big mouthful of words. So yeah. I kind of just say, <laughs> yes, I'm a drag queen. Yes, I'm a drag performer. And when I talk about it in drag, it's no problem. But when I, when people introduce me, oh, this is my friend, Vicky, she's a drag queen and I'm not in drag the looks that I get, the confusion, it's just, it, it really is just annoying. So I don't even like to talk about being a drag queen or like drag when I'm not in drag. It's, it's, I'd rather just separate the two worlds like yeah. Hannah Montana. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's completely fair. I've been going out on a lot of pro professional job interviews recently and whenever they're like, okay, so what do you do in your free time? Or like, who do you design <laughs> costumes for? I'm just like, well, uh, <laughs> is this a queer friendly work environment? How far do I go with this? <laughs> like, right, right. like it's, it's a weird thing to bring up. So I can only imagine how much weirder it is when you don't fit society's idea of what a drag queen is to begin yeah, with. Right. Um, but, is, and it, it's weird to me because I feel like, and maybe this is just my Seattle roots coming out. I feel like I say I'm from Seattle way too often, but whatever. Um, but knowing what I know about drag and the cabaret world and how it kind of formed into what we have now, it was not unusual for literally anyone to do drag on stage um men playing male characters and female characters women playing female characters and male characters like it just was everyone and there wasn't a stigma about it it was just cabaret it was fun it was vaudeville right and then i it's just these this like last decade there's been such a kickback and such gatekeeping over who's allowed to be a drag queen and who can do drag and who can perform in drag and it's so strange to me it's like it's art let people be artists and be creative and do things right it's art it's theater it's all about entertaining people um and that's the bottom line but but when you don't see it on your tv every week on vh1 or if you don't see it in you know because because drag race like i said is like the gateway the gateway drug it mm -hmm. like literally brings drag into your home and you, you watch week after week and you develop like very strong feelings for these competitors and these queens. Mm -hmm. And it's great, but if you only see a small part of that drag spectrum, like anything outside of it is foreign to you. Like they don't have, they don't have drag kings on Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And you, it's, you know, you don't really see them, you know, doing, Vogue makeup tutorials the way you do see like the drag race girls doing it and mm -hmm. and it's not as mainstream to see bearded queens or like to just different kind muscly queens like different kinds of drag there's so many different kinds but what society sees drag as is just like one small portion of it mm -hmm. so in our within our drag world I feel like a lot more people are open-minded about it but when you look at outside of the drag world, there's so many people that just don't know anything, so. 
Well, and it's so confusing to me because these same people who will say, oh, women can't do female drag, that's stupid, are the same people who are out here performing Dolly Parton songs and dressing up as Elvira for Halloween. I'm like, you, <laughs> you, you realize that both of these women have been drag queens since the 70s, right? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely like you listen I mean I didn't fully realize the extent of Dolly Parton's drag until <laughs> I started actually watching her interviews yeah and especially the older ones where they're like well why do you look like this and she's like it's a character I created I just right. wanted to look like this yeah. and it's like yeah and I didn't even know Elvira's real name until like decades after I knew who she was right or even I Miley Cyrus was literally Hannah Montana for a decade before yeah. she started performing as Miley Cyrus. Like, so why is it okay for them, but it's right. not okay at your local bar? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> people, stop gatekeeping. Stop <laughs> gatekeeping. So, okay. So you work as a children's fashion designer. Yes. You work as a drag queen. Yes. Do you have any free time and what do you do with your free time? <laughs> well, it's funny. So before the pandemic, I was just constantly busy. I would work at my day job all day. I'd work on my drag all night. I would, I would have shows on average, I would say once a week. So that with a full-time job is a lot because I would be running on no sleep my free time, I would be sleeping. That was it. But if I ever had free time, I would just be asleep. And I would really, I wouldn't get to see my friends that often. I wouldn't get to see my family that often. It was just like a whirlwind. My apartment was a, just looked like a drag queen exploded in there. It was just a bomb of just crap everywhere. I had no time to clean, no time, to, no energy, no nothing. Um, and I was always joking, like, oh, I can't wait for the day that I become a bedroom queen. I'm just going to drive <laughs> home. I'm never going out. I'm just going to take, you know, neck up photos for social media. And that's going to be my drag career. Well, joke's on me because yeah. the pandemic happened. And it was, it was great for like a month. I literally slept for an entire month <laughs> to catch up on all those years of late nights. Mm -hmm. but then after a few months I was just like this is awful I miss my shows I miss seeing my friends I miss the whole social aspect of drag mm -hmm. and while like digital drag was like great for people to entertain people at home it just I missed that like luster of seeing a stage show or handing a drag queen a dollar or being handed that dollar you know and performing with the light on your face it's just it's just a completely different experience. So mm -hmm. like I was fortunate that I got my full-time job back and I was working and I had steady income and I was in the city. Um, but it was just a huge slowdown for me. It was like a huge, just completely change of pace that I had to get used to. Um, so now it's slowly coming back. I've had a few shows like in-person shows, which have been great but I'm, I'm trying to take it slow. I'm not trying to like mm. jump back into everything like so crazy like it was before. So yeah. I, I love seeing my friends now and you know, <laughs> seeing my family and sleeping and binging TV shows and stuff. So um, I'm just trying to 
keep a balance where I don't like mm. get too stressed out too easily. Yeah, I feel like the first couple of months of quarantine were very much like everyone was excited about digital drag. Everyone was doing it. Um, like Bitch Puddin's song show was doing so well. And uh, I watched that show many times and it, uh-huh. it was so well done. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I I have always said that I'm a better host than I'm a performer. So going into the digital world, it was really hard for me because I'm a park and barker. I don't dance. I don't do anything. So like, it's easier for me to record a, a number, but it's also the boring number <laughs> in the show. Uh-huh. Um so I tried to produce a show. It ended up being something like 26 hours of work. And then I had 10 people watch and we made like 50 bucks. And yeah. I was like, you know what? This is not going to be a weekly thing. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I had done a couple numbers for digital shows and I'm not good with technology, like at all. <laughs> so I, I had to have people help me with the editing and shooting things. And my apartment is so small. I have no <laughs> set you know, I have, no, you know, it's just very, it wasn't the level of production that I would have liked to deliver. So I just thought it'd be best that I just didn't do them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I've done a few. I've, I'm working on one this weekend, actually. But yeah, it's, I only do one every few months anymore, because it's just so much work. And I'd rather take time and make something that I really I'm proud of and make outfits for it and edit it so that it's really good rather than doing a new number every week, doing three numbers every week. Like when I was hosting a show, I would open the show with a number. I would do one in the middle and I would do one at the end. And you just, you can't do that with a digital show. People yeah. are like, why are you still performing? Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the culture that sprang up around it. Cause a live show you generally have I don't know three to four queens or three to four performers who do a set and then there'll be a break and then there'll be another set or so mm-hmm. or two um but then these digital shows were like okay we're gonna cast like 30 girls in the same show the show's gonna be four hours long like <laughs> it's so hard to compete like keep up with yeah. that and then you want to tip people and you're like I don't have 60 bucks to tip everyone like yeah and a lot of times these queens are from all different time zones so I could be watching a drag show and it starts at like 11 p.m eastern time and by 11 30 I'm like <sighs> yeah Please. <laughs> <laughs> or like I mean I will say the one great thing about it is you can schedule like three shows on the same night and then not watch any of them but just like be watching a movie and have tips come in because you were true, true. good point <laughs> it was very good I also did a I did a play on zoom and it changed my life because I haven't done a play in years and years And my friend is a director and was like, hey, do you want to do this play that I'm doing? And I was like, sure. I have no idea what that's going to look like. And it was great because every time you were off stage, you just turned off your camera. You could do whatever the heck you wanted. You just kind of kept a headphone in to make sure you weren't missing your cue. And you just were kind of doing whatever. You could like scroll through Facebook. You just, it was amazing and rehearsals were great because it wasn't the whole like you have to come the whole time like you would for a normal play rehearsal but you're used for five minutes it was a uh, okay this person is called from like 8 15 to 8 23 and then you're done yeah uh 
the oh, digital age has fun. done some I'm, amazing things. <laughs> I used to do theater in high school and I can't, I can't sing for shit, but I loved acting <laughs> and I love plays. I love missing, I miss seeing plays and mm. you know, that sounds like it was fun. And Broadway has apparently announced that they're opening in the fall in September big news that is we'll big see news. if that happens i'm a little afraid of the ticket cost because <laughs> it was expensive Ooh. before the pandemic i mean yeah i have noticed though that people are so happy to just be out that they've been in the in-person shows that i've done people have been so generous with tipping mm. and um i think you know people will pay these prices to go see a broadway show just so they could go see a broadway show oh yeah oh yeah and broadway like you said even before the pandemic broadway was crazy i've only ever seen oh i don't have my playbills up anymore i've only ever seen two shows on broadway no three shows on broadway wow and i only paid for one of them (laughs) yeah that's a good thing when you know people get free tickets (laughs) i uh i average about one Broadway show a year. I have to like mm-hmm. wait for a show that I really want to see and then I'll go and see it. But for some reason, 2020, in those three months before the shutdown, I saw three Broadway shows. I saw one in January, I saw one in February, and I saw one in March. And you were just you were preparing. <laughs> it's like I it's like I subconsciously knew like yeah. I wasn't gonna have this opportunity for a while so well, the frustrating part for me was I was in London when the pandemic like when all of the lockdowns happened yeah and so the shows that I wanted to see on Broadway I, I couldn't I literally couldn't get any tickets to the last couple of days what was um, that like because at last I, I spoke to you I remember hearing that you were moving to the UK yeah um and then I broke up with the guy that I was living with and then I came back here (laughs) (laughs) um but I mean theater wise London is so much more accessible I I was I saw more shows there than I've seen in New York because you can get rush tickets for 30 pounds to the West End shows wow so like 45 dollars wow and we were we would always sit like somewhere between the third row and the tenth row in the orchestra, like oh, row nice. up front for real cheap. Yeah. Um, versus like Broadway shows, it's like 120 for the back row of the right. balcony. Right. Oh. So what what are your what are your plans now that we're coming out of the pandemic? Do you have any fun things coming up? Um, like I said, I'm trying to take it slow. I have this new motto where if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like when you get that offer, you're either going to be like, hell yes, that sounds so much fun. I'll do it. Or you're going to be like, I have mixed feelings. I'm just going to say no. Mm. Um, So I do have a couple fun things coming up. Um, I'm going to be back at my favorite drag venue, the Stonewall Inn. Yeah. The first weekend of June to kick off Pride with my good friend Hibiscus. It's Hibiscus's show. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus was one of the first drag queens to like consistently have me back, and like she really helped me grow as a performer. And um, I haven't performed with Hibiscus in like since 2019, so I'm so excited to be back for that. Um, and I have like a couple of like digital 
like photo shoots and stuff that I'm planning. So I'm taking it slow, but I'm, I'm still trying to keep my skills sharp, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I've started asking people, cause I realized that there are a lot of people who listen who, um, I mean, most of, most of the audience is, is drag fans, um, and people who are start just starting out in drag. So what, and this is the most annoying question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What advice would you give to people who are starting drag or who are new to the community in general? Um, yeah, what advice would you have in terms of navigating all of that? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked this question because in quarantine, I actually had a drag daughter. Aww. Her name is Dot DeVille. So when I spoke earlier about my two friends that introduced me to drag, Wesley and Maxwell, Maxwell is now my drag daughter, Dot DeVille. I love that. But Max has always been part of my drag family. So when she said she wanted to start doing drag, I she was just immediately a DeVille. Like she was already part of the family. So um, my advice for Queen starting out, so Dot, invested a lot in her dress she got tons of this beautiful new wigs she has like excellent taste excellent style so she's kind of building up her closet um and working on her makeup and now that um restrictions are being lifted she's slowly going out going to events going to watch shows and i'm like i'm so proud of her for doing that because doing drag at home and doing drag outside of your home are completely different experiences. Mm -hmm. So for queens that are starting out, I would say definitely go at your own pace. Like I didn't start performing until I was going out and drag for like six months. Like it took a long time for me to, to build up the courage to like get on a stage and drag. So go at your own pace. If you're ready and you want to like, you can't wait, you want to go start performing, then go do that. You know, um, you know, if there's competitions, I don't know if there's competitions right now, but do competitions, do open stages, ask um, queens that you know for a tip spot, be like, hey, you don't have to pay me, but I would love to come do a number at your show. I'll just work for tips. That's a great way to kind of um, build your experience and like getting comfortable on the stage. And it's a great way to network. You meet new people and especially whenever you go out and drag, everyone wants to talk to you. So mm -hmm. I would say going out and drag is great. Um, in terms of things you can do at home, I would definitely say, um, you know, practice your makeup. Like for me, that was a lot of fun, just like practicing like different techniques and looks and stuff. Um, I would say, uh, what else? Like get a nice wig, learn how to maintain it, learn how to clean the lace, you know, practice doing stuff with nails on, practice walking in heels. Um, yeah, so th there's a lot you can do at home, but any chance you get to go out and drag, like that would be like such great experience. So I, would I say mean, especially advice. especially the practice walking in heels thing. Just do daily tasks in heels, <laughs> like cook in heels, yeah. vacuum in heels, take out the trash in your heels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have oh, to start I, doing that myself because I haven't over. worn heels really this entire quarantine. Oh, so doing drag has made my out of drag life that much 
lazier. It's like sneakers every day, no makeup, <laughs> the most comfortable clothes ever. I don't even have any sort of sense of personal style anymore. I was trying to like buy new clothes for Victoria and I'm like, what do I even want to wear? I don't even know. Yeah. I, can, I buy all these beautiful things for Vicki DeVille and then Victoria gets like, the leftovers the sale rack oh, you know? when I started going out for interviews for jobs I was like I have no cute normal clothes like yeah. I guess I hope they really like femme guys because that's what they're <laughs> about to get like the last one I went on I even wore heels too because I was like I don't have normal shoes that are nice, <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm wearing heels. you are hired <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had said that um <laughs> where can people find you online because they absolutely should find you online oh thank you so uh, the social media platform I use the most often is Instagram so you can find me at Vicky DeVille V-I-C-K-Y DeVille like Cruella um but I also love I love Twitter Twitter is like my guilty pleasure so I'm on Twitter at Ms. Vicky DeVille um I made a TikTok but I'm I'm so old I barely know how to use it I'm not I don't really keep up with it that much so yeah. I'm on TikTok at Vicky DeVille drag if you want to check out that disaster <laughs> <laughs> perfect well thank you so so much for being on the podcast with me I really thank appreciate you for having that. me um, and yeah. we will talk to you all later. Bye. Yeah, bye. bye. Yeah, but. Thank you yeah, for listening but. to Yeah, But yeah. with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week. Same place, same time. Yeah, but. Yeah, but.